Welcome to another episode of the All of Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne, here once again today with Benjamin Camp. How are we doing, Ben? Doing well, Nate. Looking forward to talking to you and with you about what is God? That's our question two. That's right. Two. Question two. Seems like, seems like just last week we were talking about question one. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so what is God? This is the answer according to the New City Catechism for question two. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. Or for the children, it's God is the creator of everyone and everything. The children's one, cut. it cuts right to the point, right? That's right. There's a God, he's the creator, you're not him. That's right. Well, it's interesting to think about understanding God based on what God has done and mm-hmm. and that the the starting point in the Bible at least how the Bible begins this question is by saying in the beginning God created yeah. right and so the catechism is taking the Bible's cue to start where the Bible starts on under on introducing us to this being that is God right mm-hmm. and so that God is the creator of everyone and everything is actually uh, so simple and yet so profound and deep at the same time yeah well I almost think of it, it it's a it's a summary of Genesis one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different. There's some battles over how to understand Genesis one, but the main takeaway is very much that all these things in our universe that we can look at, we can look at the sun, the stars, the mm-hmm. animals, the trees, the ocean. All of those things are made by God and serve a purpose yeah. that He intends for them. That's right. Which uh, a few things that I think are are so important there. One is. Uh, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who famously said, if you only had the first two chapters of the Bible uh, to understand who God is, you would come away understanding that God is an artist. God is a creative being. God is mm. um, incredible in the design and the brilliance and the wisdom in which God uh, makes everything. So the idea that we start with the fact that God is the creator of everyone and everything, to your point, everyone every person and everything in the creation actually tells us something about God. Uh, so we can learn about who God is by looking at the the sunrise and seeing its beauty uh, or the sunset and seeing how God paints these colors across the sky every day mm. or seeing uh, the way in which the human body is designed or the way in which the cosmos just seems endless in its vastness. And all of these things tell us something about God, which I think is a big deal that we can learn. Uh, we can answer the question, what is God? And we can learn about God by looking at what God created, what God made. Yeah. Well, it's almost suggesting that anything we learn at all is in some ways connected to God. Yeah. Because it's good. about his world or it's about things that creatures that he's made have made. Yes. Yeah, that's well said. So in theology, this is important. There's something called the creator creature distinction. So I want everybody who's listening repeat that with me. Creator creature distinction. Okay, very good. And our professor, uh, both of us have learned quite a bit from a man named John Frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I had class with him, he would take uh, a piece of chalk or a, or a whiteboard, uh, and he would draw two big circles, one circle on top mm. and then a smaller circle under it. And they were not overlapping. They were, one was above the other. Uh, and then he'd draw two lines kind of connecting them in the middle. And the big circle on top was God. And the smaller circle was everything else. And the two lines of connections were that God has revealed himself to uh, his creation and that his creation can inter- interact or, or 
pray or dialogue with God. Mm -hmm. So these two lines are kind of the back and forth of our conversation and communication with God. And I love that because what it means is that there is God and there's everything else. And everything else is dependent on God for its existence. And that that's actually really important because what that means is God doesn't need you. Why is that? That seems a little bit uh, off-putting to say it that way. Yeah, it does. But what I mean by that is God doesn't need you. So that means that God wants you. Mm. God wasn't like he had some, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't lonely, uh, and he, yeah. he wanted to create humans to be friends with. Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were always, were, which is next, the next question, question three. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were always enjoying friendship and fellowship and enjoyment with one another. So, why did God create us? Why is there this? Why is there God and everything else? And the answer has to, it, it cannot be because God needed His creation, mm. because God had some sort of a lack in God that He was trying to make up for in creating us. Yeah. Well, and some of the things that are in the second half of the answer point to that is that God couldn't be perfect if mm -hmm. there was something missing that, you know, he's not perfect until he has a creation to complement him. That's right. In some way. So what does that mean for us? It means that our relationship with God is based on his enjoyment of us, his, his desire to have us rather than a need uh, for us, um, mm. which I think is a big deal. We, you don't offer God anything that He does not already have in and of Himself. Yeah. So it kind of gets us off the hook. Uh, whereas other other religions um, that have other gods, false gods, uh, they have to feed that God. They have to uh, even some of them have to kind of clean up after that God. They have to tend to that God. That God has needs that are unmet unless the humans do what they need to do to appease that God. Right. This right. God is fundamentally different from that. That's a really big deal when we say God is the creator of everyone and everything. Yeah. Well, and it also separates him from his creation in that he can't be identified with any part of it. That's right. Which you, you mentioned these gods that, you know, as, as we read the Old Testament, as we were in the book of Exodus last fall, mm -hmm. um, all of these other gods of other nations are somehow tied to some part of the world around us. That, you know, it's the sky god or it's the mm. river god. And it's if God is the creator of everyone and everything, mm -hmm. then he's over and above all the things that you might see. And you can't, you can't make a one-to-one -one connection between God and anything in the creation. That's right. Which means two things. One, the sun is not God. But the God tells us, or but the Son tells us something about God, mm -hmm. just like um, a, a beautiful painting or kids, anything that you might make at school and bring home to your parents. Those things tell us something about you, but they are not you. Yeah, uh, they they let us know something about you, but they are not you. Uh, you are so much greater and more important and more significant than the finger painting that you made that you brought home. That's right. Um, so then the question is, how does this make us a counterculture for the common good? In other words, how is this going to be different from maybe what some of our neighbors think or believe? Well, the first thing is, is that there is a God. Uh, not all of our neighbors believe that there is a God mm -hmm. um, and that there is only one God. And this one God is the creator of everyone and everything. So any other beings that exist, that includes angels and demons and humans and uh, whales and stars and every other thing that exists was created by this one God. Um, and so plenty of our neighbors don't necessarily believe that there is a God at all. And so to your point, they don't learn about mathematics, for instance, or science, expecting to learn something about God as they're studying these things. Yeah. Well, and I hope this isn't too fine of a distinction either. 
but there is a difference between creation and nature. Mm. And most of our neighbors would look at the world around them and say, this is nature. Mm -hmm. It's the natural world, which implies something about this is just the way the world is supposed to be. So if that's the way the world's supposed to be, Mm. if there's brokenness, if there's disasters, it's like, no, that's just... That's, That's nature. Right. Nature, yeah. you know, the famous phrase, red in tooth and claw, yeah. is this, nature is this dangerous place. Mm-hmm. But creation is different than nature. Creation didn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Creation, it, it has to have a creator connected yes. to it. So you can't affirm creation and not affirm God. Mm-hmm. But if you affirm God, then you affirm creation and not just nature. That's so good. And so here's a really, maybe a helpful example here. Um on Saturdays at the Camp Family Home, we do something called Science Saturdays. Nice. And it always starts by me saying to Augustine, Augie, my little boy, I say, Augie, why do we do Science Saturdays? And I've catechized him. Uh, he responds, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Psalm 111.2. He says that back to me. Okay. And so I'm trying to teach him that science is this studying the works of the Lord, studying the things that God has made because we delight in those things because God made them. And the more we learn about those things, the more we learn about God. So hear us saying, uh, kids, as you grow up and as you're in school and like, study well, like learn math, learn science, learn literature, learn these various things because they actually help us to understand who God is, which is beautiful. Mm. And so then maybe the the last question here that we like to ask is, what does this mean for our discipleship? What does this mean for our following Jesus? And I want to go back to the longer definition, which says nothing happens except through God and by his will. And I want to say that If God is the creator of everyone and everything, and he upholds and sustains the universe, it means that we can can experience God at work in everyday life, and we can learn to trust his providence. That's the fancy kind of Bible word or theology word for this, is that God is a provident, he has providential care over the world. Mm -hmm. He provides for us. And so um, if something has happened in your life that's really painful, um, there's there's this understanding that nothing has happened uh, without God's will uh, being involved with God. God. In other words, God is not kind of off duty when bad things happen to you. God is actually alive and well and active and involved and allows certain things to happen in our life. And so there's a woman named Joni Erickson Tata who I've learned a lot from in this regard, and she's one of the longest living quadriplegics on record. In other words, um, her her body is broken from her neck down. It doesn't mm-hmm. work properly because of an injury she has. And she says this, God allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. And so why does that matter? Well, because some of us experience things that are not part of creation. They're actually a part of what we would call the fall. They're part of evil and death and suffering and sin coming into the world. And yet God allows them. He allows these things that he hates to accomplish what he loves. And the best example of that in the history of the world is that God allowed his own son, Jesus Christ, to die uh, as if he was a murderer, as if he was uh, somebody who deserved death, even though he's completely innocent. This is the greatest evil that's ever happened, but he accomplished what he loves through that, which is bringing us back to himself. Mm. And so the fact that 
this question says, what is God? And, and it ends the answer by saying nothing happens except through him and by his will. Gives us a, a confidence that I think is best summarized in the words of a hymn called This Is My Father's World. Again, if you're driving in the car and you can put on Apple Music or Spotify, listen to this hymn. It's, it's brilliant. And it says this, um, this is my father's world. The birds, their carols rise. The morning light, the lilies white declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. This is the God who is the creator of everyone. And everything. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a powerful way to end. And so we'll, we'll wrap it up there and we'll look forward to talking again with you next week about question three. Thanks, man.